Continuing to push our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. If you have a Bible with you, uh, we're going to be in chapter 1. If you don't have one with you, we're going to put the verses up on the screen. Um, so you can follow along that way. Something about singing songs of rescue um, just never gets old. Without getting uh, too much into the history of the letter, um, we'll cover some of that um, once we kind of push our way through it. We're going to start in verse 12. Um, and at this point, it's super important to keep in mind that this is a letter um, that Paul uh, helped, he started the, this church in Corinth, uh, which is uh, in Greece, and um, he uh, was there for a year and a half, and then went, uh, you know, trained up leaders and stuff, went to another place, started another church, and just kind of kept up with them uh, through letters and through representatives and stuff like that. So he was kind of a, kind of a, a founding pastor figure to them, and uh, just really continued to, to shepherd them and guide them, and and so this is um, one of the letters that he sent to him, and, and so like any letter, uh, you know, it has a, an introduction and the body of the letter and a closing, and, and there are, are parts of, um, of his letters that make perfect sense, and there are parts of his letters that probably would only make sense if you knew Paul, because his personality is, is, is a part of the writing process. You know, Scripture is inspired by the Lord, but also, I mean, God uses the personality of the writers to bring certain things out. And so, um, sometimes it's crystal clear, you know, what he's talking about. Other times, you're like, I have no idea what that means. And so, uh, one of the, the fun things about going through verse by verse is uh, for me to try to figure out what in the world he's talking about. And fortunately, there are really smart people who have done all the legwork. And so, I just have to read their books, which, uh, which is good, and, and whatever. And so... Um, a lot of that is, is reading what all these scholars ha have written and, and all this history and all this kind of stuff and trying to figure out, okay, uh, what, what's for us tonight in this room? And, and as we go through this text or any text, I mean, you could go a number of different directions. And so really just believing that God has something for this group of people in this place for tonight. Um, and so I hope, that, that, um, hope it all makes sense when we get to the end. But let's just start in verse 12. And we'll just read all the way to 22, and then we'll um, go through it slowly. So for our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. We are not writing to you anything other than what you read and acknowledge, and I hope you will fully acknowledge, just as you did partially acknowledge. That on the day of the Lord, Jesus, you will boast of us as we boast of you. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way back to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, 
But in Him, it's always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put His seal on us and given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. All right, so you might sense a little bit of uh, defense on, on Paul's part. Um, and this is, is where he is. Uh, he's definitely having to um, kind of um, stand up for himself in regard to some things. Last week we looked at and him standing up to himself because once he left Corinth and he's in Ephesus and he's working, they, they had these people in the church in Corinth that were kind of fighting for power. It's the people who were, were trying to undermine Paul's teaching and trying to really question his credentials and, and, and just... Um, they were kind of they were trying to take over, and the only way to take over was to somehow just keep cheap shotting Paul until you, people began to question whether or not Paul was legit or not, and and so and that was apparently working, um, and so his letters are going back and forth, and he's so he's trying to continue to pastor them from afar, and uh, and so last week we looked at, at how he was was explaining suffering from his perspective, because that was one of the cheap shots they were taking at him is like. This dude suffers way too much to be a real deal apostle, like to be the anointed of God who's brought here to, to, to pastor and shepherd. Um, there's way too much affliction in his life and, and, and whatever. And so, so he gets into suffering and all that kind of stuff. We looked at that last week. Now, now we're getting into kind of a, a different thing because they were taking, taking cheap shots at his character. And, and one of the things in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, uh, you can tell the issues going on in the church by the things that he addresses and the way that he addresses it. So some of this, you're, we're kind of pulling this out of the text. But you'll see in these ten verses, um, he his character has been under attack, and he is defending himself. Um, and, and actually, he's just presenting his his case and the truth as he sees it. And so, so you start in verse 12. It says, uh, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. All right? Now, just that one verse, Nate, let's just leave it up there for a while. Okay? We're going to hang out here for a while. Um, when it, our boast is this. Basically, his boast, what he is presenting to everyone and saying, uh, all right, this, this is where I'm coming from. This is what I'm confident of. He's saying, when I was with you... I behaved with simplicity and godly sincerity. Now, simplicity um, can be translated simplicity, or it can be translated holiness. And some translations say holiness, and some say simplicity, and even like good translations will say one, but then they'll footnote the other one, because it's a word that can kind of go either way. And so when I was first reading it, I was like, wow. He's like, okay, I'm boasting in the fact that um, according to my, the testimony of my conscience, all right, testimony just like in court um, of, of my conscience, basically saying, okay, my conscience can either convict me or um, it can acquit me. And he's saying, I have a completely clear conscience to be able to say this. I or we, talking about the, them when they were living in Corinth, behaved with simplicity or holiness and godly sincerity. And the first time I read that, I was like, oh, someone, someone really loves himself a lot. I mean, it comes across kind of cocky, right? You're like, hey, look, I behave with holiness. I was holy. 
Godly sincerity, that's what describes me. And this is not the first time like I've kind of felt weird reading Paul, because sometimes he's like, like, remember where he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ? You're like, oh, hold on. Who tells people to imitate them? Right? I mean, that's, that's the opposite of, of the way we need to be, right? Because, and I was just thinking, I was like, I've never, ever, ever heard, heard a dude stand up in front of people and say, hey, um, I'm living a holy life. One that you can imitate. It's always like, oh no, don't listen to me. I'm, you know, I'm the worst, and I'm no good at this, and I, I, you know, uh, 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 you know, whatever. You never hear anybody stand up and say, no, no, I'm doing it. Over the summer, um, I taught a community group on marriage and did a sermon series on marriage, and so I went up just reading a lot and listening to a lot of sermons and stuff, and. And so plenty of sermons where you know, these guys were preaching, and you know you could tell as a husband that like, they were like terrified to preach on being a husband, because uh, you know their wife is sitting like right there, you know, on the front row, and, uh, and they're you know, well, you know, I mean, I know how hard it can be, and this and this and this. And then then I came across this one guy, and he was like completely ripping the husbands in the congregation. I was like, who does this guy think he is? And he's, you're not men, you're little boys, and you're selfish, and you, you sit there on the couch, and you're lazy, and you watch Sports Center nine times while your wife is cooking and cleaning and taking care of the kids and all this kind of stuff, and he's just, just tearing them up. It's like, wow. Then I heard another, another guy, and he wasn't yelling at him, but he was basically like, you guys need to be doing this and this and this. And then he says, because I'm, I'm doing this and this and this. I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm loving my wife as Christ loves the church. And you need to be doing the same thing. You need to man up. And I was just like, it was just caught me off guard because you don't hear people be that confident. Because for some reason, we feel like the right thing to do is kind of downplay ourselves. And that's such a hang-up for people, especially like when you start talking about like discipleship and like any sort of like mentoring and any sort of relationship like that. And so I was like, I mean, what do I have to offer this person? Because, I mean, I got some pretty bad struggles. And, and I, I mean, I definitely don't get it right. So who am I to speak into somebody else's life? And who am I to, to, to do that and, and whatever? And, I mean, twice a month the elders meet and we sit around a table and we come back to this all the time. When, according to, like, the scriptural mandate for elders, we're supposed to be, like, the model dudes for this community. Like, we'll have to stand before God and give an account somehow. I'm not sure what that looks like. I don't really want to talk about it. Um, we have to give an account, and, and that's going to be a part of it, is were we biblically qualified as we pastored the church? Nobody else has to do that. Community group leaders don't have to do that. Ministry team exes don't have to do that. Deacons don't have to do that. So sometimes I look at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, how in the world are we supposed to do that? And we sit around the table and we talk about it and, and it's just it's just very strange. And not a single dude around that table is ever like, no, no, I got I got this. I'm where I'm 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 making every effort to do this. And so I really started thinking about that. And obviously it's been it's been this this hit me weird. Maybe it doesn't hit you weird, but it hit me weird that he would be this confident 
when I've never even really seen that ever, 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 ever. So you look at the verse. Boasting, for boast is this, the testimony of our conscience. Okay, he's saying, I have a clear conscience, and I'll get in court and say it if I need to. Uh, we behave in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. And supremely so toward you. Not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God. See, at first, this comes across as like him being like really cocky. And, and almost being like overly defensive. But what he's saying is that if my life is lived with simplicity, with holiness, and with godly sincerity, it's only the grace of God that's making that happen. It's only the power of God at work in me that's making that happen. Earthly wisdom makes no sense. Earthly wisdom is, I'm going to work really hard, I'm going to earn my way to it, and it has this real, like, take the bull by the horns, self-centered, self-driven deal to it. And he's saying, no, it's not by earthly wisdom. It's by the grace of God, which is not us earning it. It's God empowering our efforts to learn and to grow. And so actually, this is an incredibly humble statement. This is, this is humility. Because he's not confident in himself, he's confident in the grace of God at work in his life. And so the more I sat there, I was like, why in the world, why do I settle for a, you know, all shucks, fake humility kind of approach to things? Why, why don't I just... Why don't I just live that? Why don't I just just go for that? Like, why can't I get up in front of people and say, imitate me? If you're struggling to understand Jesus on the earth, here, I, I'll, I'll help give you um, the most accurate picture that, that I can by his grace at work in me. Why not? Why settle? I know, like, like in the, in the marriage class over the summer and the, and whatever, like, I told, I always tell people this, like, as long as I'm single, I'm going to, like, just drive on the husbands. And hopefully, if I ever were to get married, then I'll drive on the husbands as well. But it's just easier now because I'm just not a hypocrite about it. I'm like, hey, you're Jesus, you're the church, go, you know. Um, if you're not doing that, then you're, you know, being fake and whatever. You know, so, I like, I'll push and I'll push and I'll push. But even in that, I'm like, why would I, would I get married? Why wouldn't I still push that hard? Why wouldn't I pursue that if I was called to be a husband? Why, as a child of God, do I just sit back and like, oh, well, you know, I'm just not very good at this thing, and I don't really understand holiness, and I struggle with sin, and all this kind of thing. Why wouldn't I just be like, no? No. By the grace of God, I will behave with simplicity and holiness and godly sincerity among you. I, I'll be super, super honest. I want, I want to be that pastor for you. Like, I, not in a cocky way, or I'm like, everybody be like me, not at all. I want to have that kind of confidence in the work of God in my life. It's where I can say, this is how you handle that. This is how you walk through this. Um, I know a lot of you guys uh, listen to Matt Chandler's podcast, because if you go to iTunes and you go to our podcast and it says, like, People who listen to this also like this, and it's like consistently been Village Church. Um, and Matt Chandler has, uh, he has a brain cancer, and it has been phenomenal 
to watch him basically kind of live this verse out. Going through cancer, um, dealing with it with his family, completely open and transparent, and be like, this is really difficult and this is hard, but at the same time, he has this kind of confidence in the grace of God that's at work in his life. And I would have no issue if Matt Chandler ever stood up in front of his people and said, hey, if you want to know how to handle cancer, just watch, watch how I handle it. Watch my video updates. Read my blog. Come talk to me. Listen to the sermons. I would have no issue with that. Because I see a guy who's he's going for it. He's not settling. He's not just being, I don't know, weak and pathetic and whatever. Like He's like, no, no, no. no. Holiness is what I'm called to, so I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to make every effort that I can. I'm going to trust that God's going to empower those efforts and bring about change in my life. That's what community group, that's what we're doing this, this semester. That's everything that we're talking about. It's not how can I, how can I earn life change, but, but how, can, how can I put forth the effort that God infuses and empowers to, use, to change things? So he says, look, people are questioning my character. I have a completely clear conscience that I behave with holiness and godly sincerity in front of me. By the grace of God, not, not by earthly wisdom, and even more supremely toward you. That, that verse just floors me. And it's, it's convicting in a, in a good way. Because I want to I be able to have that kind of confidence in, in God's work in my life. And the thing is, if I can't say that, it's not because God's not doing His deal. It's because my, my efforts are, are either not happening because I'm lazy, or they're happening but I'm trying to make it all happen myself because I think I'm awesome. And it's not, I'm not living from him, I'm living, just trying to live for him. Amazing, okay? So then he, he goes on, and uh, verse 13 says, For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and acknowledge, okay? Or acknowledge can mean understand. And I hope you will fully acknowledge or understand, just as you did partially acknowledge or understand us. That on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Okay, so this is one of those confusing parts. Now, they had come after his character. They'd also come after his writing because um, they, there, was a, there was an issue where he sent a letter to the church and it was just completely misinterpreted, misconstrued, and all this kind of whatever, and kind of caused some division and stuff like that. And some of that was happening because these people who were anti-Paul were coming in and being like, what does he mean by that? I don't really think this, whatever. And so there was this, these fractions that were happening and so they were criticizing his letters too. So not just, I mean, not just his, his character, but his the writings. So the very way that, that he was pastoring them from afar was being questioned and stuff. And so I know it's kind of confusing when you flip it all around. Basically, he's saying, "Look, there's nothing here that's trying to trick you. Like, there's no like hidden messages, and there's nothing weird. Like, like we're writing to you um, the things that you can read and understand." And we hope that you understood part of it. We hope that you understand the, the entire thing so that you realize that like, when we stand before the Lord, um, we are proud of you, and hopefully you are proud of us. It's like, so I'm not trying to trick you in my letters. There's integrity in what I'm doing. And that, that simplicity and holiness and godly sincerity not only applies to the way he behaves, but also to his letters. So read it again. We're not writing to you anything other than what you read and acknowledge. I hope you will fully acknowledge, just as you did partially acknowledge, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Okay? So in his behavior, 
He's like integrity. In his writing, integrity. Okay? Then the next thing is because I was sure of this, okay? Because I was sure I had that clear conscience. I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Okay? Now, this was another point where people were criticizing him. They just said that he was like flip-flopping too much. They were basically saying, like, Paul's kind of a flake. I mean, one day he's saying he's coming here and he's going to Macedonia and then he's shows up and something weird happens and he goes back and 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 so this was kind of used to cheap shot him some more and really bring his character into question and and like literally what happened was uh he had a plan and they knew about it because he's told them the plan in first corinthians and then he kind of he gets word because there, remember there was a a family that went to see him and then they sent him a letter and then there was an um um, some representatives that were sent to. So he finds out things aren't good, so he changes his plan because he's like, all right, things are falling apart in Corinth. I need to go in person. Shows up in person. So, so he redoes his plan, and it makes it show up in person plan. Shows up in person, and they reject him and mock him and all this kind of bad stuff. And so he's like, whoa. So he goes back to where he came from and forms a whole other plan. Writes, uh, writes a, a, that painful letter, sends it to him, and then on his way finds out that uh, things are better, so then he comes up with another plan. So, so here's the thing. You ever know anybody that like whenever they say like this is what I'm going to do, you're just like whatever. We'll see what happens. Or know somebody that just like, I mean, they just literally just flip-flop all over all over the place. What they're going to do, um, where they're going to go, what time they're going to be there, um, or like even worse, like what they're going to major in, you know, what they're going to do uh, for a living, what they're going to whatever. And it was just one of those things. And those people, I, 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 I love them. And I'm probably that way about some stuff too. But here's the thing is like you don't count on those people for big important things. Because they're flaky. Some people grow out of it, and some people are like that from birth till death. Um, but you just don't they're not the people that you rely on for really, really important stuff. And so the critics were saying, like, this guy Paul, man, he's he's unstable. You never know what he's gonna do. I don't know if we can really trust him and what he's saying. And so Paul's like, oh, okay, well. He says, I wanted to look at verse 15 again. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first. I wanted to come to you first, and that's his desire, so that you might have a second experience of grace. And we aren't real sure what that means. Um, it, it could be uh, just the sheer blessings that come from Paul showing up in person and just like handling things. It could be the opportunity to, um, to contribute more than once to the collection that he was taking for, there were, uh, Jews who were in Jerusalem that were, uh, being, they were, uh, starving because of famine. So he was collecting money to bring to them to help with food. Um, it could also be for them to be a part of sending him. It could be a number of things. We're not really sure what that means. Um, but basically he's saying like, I wanted to come to you first and it was going to be like for your good. That was my agenda. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. I wanted you to be a part of ministry to Macedonia and then to Judea. Just like Robert said, you're a part of all that. Paul was basically saying, like, I was going to bring you guys in on some pretty cool stuff that God's doing. That's, so that was, that's my, that was my heart. That was my intent. In verse 17. 
Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my, my plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? All right? So he's appealing to people who know him. Now keep in mind, he was there for 18 months. He went in and like, like started this church in somebody's house after they got kicked out of the synagogue. So this wasn't, I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't there for a week. He was there for 18 months. And that's long enough to know. And so he's kind of saying like, all right, you know me. Do I make plans according to the flesh? Again, maybe he comes off a little cocky at first, but he's like, look, you, you know me well enough to know. I don't use worldly wisdom and the flesh to make my decisions. And what's kind of implied there is like, you know me better than to know that if I change my plans, there's, there's got to be some divine reasoning in it. And I, lo- I love that appeal because it's such a personal thing, you know. It's almost like he's kind of saying, come on, guys. It, it's me. Like, you know me. People are taking all these shots at my character, but I live with you for 18 months. Like, you, you know me. Don't let people say stupid stuff. Say, so am I going back and forth? I mean, is that is that how I how I work? Look at the next verse. Verse 18. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. And that's a, that's a big statement. To say our my word is consistent just like our God is consistent. I kind of got hung up on that one too, just in a personal sense. Like, wow. Verse 19. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in Him it's always yes. In Him it's always yes. I was re- reading a couple of different things on this, and one of the one of the things that kept coming coming up was the fact that the really the, the church in Corinth were they were, they were really insecure about how Paul felt toward them, and that's why some of these cheap shots were were kind of like being effective, so they were just there's just insecurities there, and whether it was internal or whether it was these people cheap shot and whatever, there there grew this sense of does Paul really feel the way that he says he does about us? I mean, does he really love us? And does he really pray for us? Is he really for us? Or, I mean, or is he not coming to see us? Or does he keep changing his plans because maybe he's not really sure, you know? And uh, ironically, I was watching uh, Jersey Shore yesterday. Uh not watching it, not like sitting down watching it, but like it was on. And there was like this this dude, one of them, I don't know, Vito, Vinny, one of the one of them had a had a date with this girl and he was really excited and it was like a, he got new clothes and his haircut and whatever, like bought her flowers. It was like a date date. And uh so he called her up and she was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll go and he was like, Yeah, yeah, cool and then she calls later, she's like, I don't really want to go and he's like Click, hung up on her, was all mad. And he called her back. Was like, oh, I was mad about something else. And uh, 
And she, I wasn't watching it, I promise. And so uh, then, um, then he was like, uh, he calls her back and convinces her to go. And um, so he gets all dressed and he's all waiting or whatever. And like, she doesn't show up. And for some reason, I thought about Paul. Because you could watch this guy go from like, yeah, she's really into me. And then he's like, oh, she's not into me. He's like, but I can convince her to be into me. And he's like, oh, she's into me again. And he's like, uh, she's not showing up at all. Um, and so her flip-flopping back and forth communicated something to, let's, let's go with Vinny, communicated something to Vinny about how she felt about him. And so here's this church, and here, oh, Paul's coming. Oh, no, well, no, he's not coming. He's going to go this way, and he's going to do this, whatever. And he shows up, and we were mean to him, so he left and changed his plans. And all this stuff goes on. And this insecurity grows in them, and they were probably like, I, I don't even know. I, I just don't know. That was the rumor. Maybe he likes these other churches more. I mean, maybe maybe we were such jerks to him, I don't know, whatever. And so this insecurity grew, and Paul knew that. And so here he comes to them, and he just... I'm so perfectly puts it. Surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Sylvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it's always yes. In, in, in Christ, we are always for you. There should never be a doubt how we feel about you, and hopefully how you feel about us, that in Christ it is always Yes. It is always affirmative. I think that makes a whole lot of sense in the community context. The thing is, if we're if we're in the flesh and we're you know just being all worldly and whatever, there's gonna be so many things that divide us. I mean it happens constantly. Constantly watch friends in this room get like divided among each other and within community groups and within just different social things and all this dumb stuff and all that kind of stuff just divides. Be saying in Christ it's always yes. When you think about that, I mean when are the times you feel most a part of a church family? When the whole room is is in Christ about I mean like like times of communion, times of worship, times of prayer, times of serving together. I mean, there's all these things that happen and because it's because we shift from seeing each other in a worldly sense to seeing each other as in Christ. And in Christ, it's always yes. I mean, it's always, we're always for each other. He just shuts down this, this argument. Look what he says. Verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Alright, all the... Let's leave that one up there too, Nate. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. All right? Entire Old Testament points forward. The, the promises of God, everything that God has promised us is confirmed by Christ. Everything. And so, so what he's saying is, okay, Jesus, okay, God has come to you, all right, speaking to, to this church. God has come to you and in Christ has said yes to you. He says, and we utter, that's why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We utter our amen. So amen just means like, yes. It means it is true. Like I'm in agreement with what was just said. So I grew up in a church where we had like six or seven like amen guys, right? And every time the preacher said something good and powerful, they would amen him like are all around the room. And that was, 
it was like their way of being like, I agree with what you just said. And I think that would probably be very encouraging at times. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, amen to that. Right on cue. So, all right, so here's what this verse is saying. Um, it, God has looked, looked at this church and, and in Christ said yes to you. So, so we, through Christ, respond to that by saying, by amening that yes back to God for his glory. So God says yes, congregation says amen. All of it happening through Christ. So, so why is that significant in, in this letter, okay? Here's, here's what he's getting at. Um, so as you look at my life, there's integrity. You look at my writing, there's integrity. You look at my motives, there's integrity. You look at my travel plans, there's integrity. Don't question those things because there's integrity in them. But this is why there's integrity in them. Because God has looked at you and said yes. And so I amen that by, I, by stepping into that yes with him and joining him in what he's doing. So he looks at you and says yes, so I jump in and say amen to that yes. Which is the same thing. He says yes, I say yes. God's heart is not divided toward you, so my heart is not divided toward you. Ever. At all. Every single thing that God says yes to in Christ with you, he's saying, I amen that and step in and join him to echo that and reaffirm that and to join him in what he's doing. And that makes perfect sense when you think about that. That's all that ministry is, really. So Robert is here, and Robert and Pam prayed, and we got their kids together, and they prayed about where to go, and they got brought them to Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and because God looks at people in Stevens Point and says yes to them, they say amen, and they join in with him in ministry. We have this connection with this church in Monclova, Mexico. It's because God looks at the people at Peniel and says yes to them. And so uh, we join in with that yes and amen that in ministry, however we can do that. It's awesome. God looks at the people of Haiti and says yes. And so Misty and Jesse are getting to step in um, in like the next week to go and be a part of that yes. Not to give it all away, but next week... Big announcement coming. You'll want to be here next week about us, about God's yes to a group of people somewhere on the globe, and our church is about to step in and say yes to them. You want to be here. But that's that's what it is. And so Paul's saying, like, you, you know why I say yes? Because God said yes. And you know why I'm not divided? Because God's not divided. You know why I walk in integrity? Because God walks in integrity. You know why I just pursue him and pursue him and pursue him? Because he is the one that's worth pursuit. And he closes this little section, verse 21. It is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Okay? And here, here's this church. Insecure, questioning his leadership, being lied to, being whatever, all this kind of whatever's going on, and he's laid out his arguments in integrity, 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 because God feels this way about you. And he's like, almost like, don't lose sense of this. Is God who establishes us with you in Christ. This, this is his idea. I think you bring that into this church setting. I think this applies to us too. That what's going on here is God's idea. Our connection to Robert at Tapestry, God's idea. His connection to the people at Tapestry, God's idea. God has established us together in Christ. Robert didn't come up with a great idea to go plant a church somewhere and go and do it. 
God birthed that in him. God birthed the ring here. God birthed um, Peniel in Mexico. I mean, you go all over the place. God establishes us together in Christ and has anointed us. You're anointed for a specific act of service or purpose. He's anointed us. And he's also put his seal on us. Okay? You put a seal, like when you get something notarized, okay? It's a seal that goes on it. That's to legitimize it. It's also to protect that from fraud. And it's also, it's, it's a mark of ownership. He's saying, God's put a seal on us. Like he, he looks at us and says, you're mine. He looks at the church in Corinth and says, mine. When we pray the blessing at the end, remember, remember what it says right after that part of the blessing? It says, you pray this over my people and I will put my name on them. Like Toy Story 3. Remember that? He has, his whole identity is like wrapped in the fact that he has the word Andy written on the bottom of his foot. That's biblical. That's awesome. That's, I have, have put my seal on you. I, like you are mine. And given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It literally means as a down payment. When you put a down payment on something, you're like, you're going to follow through. It says, I put my spirit in all of you as a down payment of what is to come in the future. And so this is what it all comes back to for Paul, as best as I can tell. He's like, look, I've just tried to be Christ-like among you. In my behavior, in my writing, in my travels, in my motives, I've just tried to relate to you the same way that God relates to you. That's it. And he says, you know what? I've done it. Because nobody knows how to make me look like God better than God. When I walk away from a text like that, I'm like, why in the world do I settle? Why am I such a wuss about stuff? Why don't I just go for it? And God's like, I don't know. Why do you, why are you a wuss? Why do you settle? So I think it comes down to us just really just saying, I'm, I'm stepping into that. So here's what we're going to do. Ben, y'all go ahead and come back up. This isn't going to be like dramatic altar call time or whatever. I mean, that's fine. It has a time and a place. It's not going to be tonight. Um, we're we're going to sing songs that are like along these lines because I think, uh, I've said this before, that there are just times when uh, putting words to something that is kind of stirring in your heart really helps firm it up. I think there's also something about when you're standing with you know 150 other people that are all saying the same thing. You're like, wow, I'm not alone in this. Um, I, but I just I, I believe that that Paul is trying to convey something huge to this church in Corinth. And I think God and His sovereignty saw that all these years later we would be here tonight looking at these same verses. I think He wants to speak and ignite things in us as well. So let's do this. Y'all stand. To, together. Let me pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for um, just for your wisdom and your sovereignty and just for the way that you made sure that we'd be here tonight and that we would have this letter. Um, God, our desire is... We really desire to walk in integrity. I mean, we want we want to live our faith out. We really we want to live lives of 
simplicity and holiness and godly sincerity. We want to be able to say, this is how I live. And not by my own power, but because my God is working in me. That's what we want to be able to say. I pray, God, tonight you'd help things just come alive in us um, that maybe have been laying dormant. Um, You're the only one that can rescue. You're the only one that can raise lives. You're the only one... um, that can bring about the change we desire to see. So I pray, God, as we sing tonight, we'll just bring ourselves uh, to a point of surrender. Uh, We just love you.